my eyes something. I... See, you break wind, you feel it, put your face in it, you catch it in that thing, but doing that. So. Yeah. What's that? Okay. Good evening. Howdy. Well, I feel privileged. You rush for me. Mom did better than all y'all. She drove back from Arkansas. See, crowd's getting bigger on Wednesday night. I don't know what to do. All right. Bonnie. I gotta start Facebook. I'll give mine a second to get in here. Rest you off if you want to. You can take your songbook out. Turn to number 91. Number 91. Good evening, sister. We turn into 91 when you get to you see. Thank you. 
day's coming soon. Amen. We're going to see Jesus. And, and I know I say that with certainty because last time I said it, it's closer now than it was then. Amen. Well, I ain't got to be spot on. I, I'm just, we're just going in the right direction. Amen. But it shouldn't be long before we get there. Amen. This world, it certainly looks like the days of Noah. I mean, I tell you, it's, it's just wickedness everywhere. But thank God we still we still got church. We still got the Word of God. We still got the fellowship of the saints. Amen. All right. Prayer request tonight. You mentioned, go ahead. Okay. We'll lift up Diane tonight. Scott's doing good. Um, according, according to him and according to Byron, yeah. Yeah, doing real good. They, they, they evidently they knew what to do in Dallas, so they had no idea what to do in Paris. Yeah. Yeah, but he's now he's on transplant list, am I right? Okay. Okay. Y'all please remember to pray for my Aunt Mary Ruth. Uh, Mom was telling me on the way up here that she had heard from over there, the lady that's taking care of her, and, and uh, said that today her appetite really picked up, and she was eating good, and and uh, and that she was talking a little more, and that she told the lady that she needed to get her bags packed, and so she asked her, she said, well, "Where are you going?" Well, she never could tell her, but you know, we were talking about on the way home. You know, a lot of times when somebody's getting close. Uh, they'll talk about stuff like that. It don't make any sense, and they always seem to have a good day right before the end. And so I'm thinking, you know, that may we're both thinking, and that very well may be. It's so y'all please pray, please pray for her as she makes her passing over into glory, and uh, just just pray for our family in this time. Who else would need? Oh, Miss Mail. I hadn't heard from Shirley uh, since I was over the other day, but assume everything is okay. We ain't heard nothing to the negative. Um, anything else? Anybody else? All right. All right. Y'all remember to pray for Stephanie in the job situation I talked about before. Um, she needs prayer there for something to open up. Do you have something else? Pray for Jack. He was throwing up today. I don't know why. He was throwing up three times today. So pray for them to get well. And Miss Charlotte, yeah, that's right. That's what I was forgetting. Miss Charlotte, we need to pray for her and her foot because she's not able to be with us because she ain't able to walk on it right now. That's what I was saying. I hadn't heard since since uh, Saturday when I went by there Saturday, but she was she's in good spirits. She just her leg just ain't got healing back yet, and so and so she can't walk on it. That's the only thing. But anyway, I don't. I don't. What Shirley told me is that they did they they did a different pain block last time. This time they did an epidural on her, and she says she didn't know why they changed changed plans. But anyway, don't know for sure what the deal is there. But just praying she gets her sensation back in her leg and foot. Anybody else? Anything else? All right, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask God to meet with all these requests and meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer.
Amen. You may say this. Turn to number 70, number 70, unclouded day, number 70. Thank you. 
of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. And of course, we're not talking about light bulbs and oil lamps and, and, and kerosene lanterns and whatnot. Where this is this is uh, met, uh, metaphorical language to describe something as the light. Well, what is the light that we have? The Spirit of God. You're right about that. Absolutely. The Spirit of God that lives inside of us is our light. Amen. The Bible says the light of the righteous rejoices. The comfort that a believer experiences, our comfort doesn't stay level. We don't just, we get saved, well, i got comfort. My comfort grows. The longer I'm saved, my comfort in the Lord, the amount of comfort I receive from God grows. It's not that it's just that I am able to receive it more. And the further I go, the more I learn God and the more I understand his ways, the more I'm able to walk in his ways, the more comfort I receive from him. Uh, and not only not only does it abound and get more and more, but it endures. It never stops. Amen. God's comfort is always there. Amen. The light of the righteous rejoices. The, the light of the righteous rejoices, that is, it increases and it makes us glad. Amen. Again, we don't get more of the Spirit of God. That's what I, I, I don't want to confuse you there and say we get more of the Holy Spirit because we don't get more of the Spirit of God. The truth of it is, He gets more of us. That's what it is. If you can imagine living in a house, but you're only allowed to go in the kitchen. You can buy this house, but you can only live in the kitchen. Don't go in that bedroom, that bedroom, back that bathroom. Don't go back in that hall. Don't don't go back down in that storage room. Don't go back in that closet. Don't go anywhere else. But you can stay right here and do all you want right in this kitchen. You'd be pretty hacked off. Why not buy them house? Well, I think that's how God kind of feels about it. He moves in in his spirit, and he lives in us, but he wants access to his hands. He wants to love people through your hands. God wants to take your feet and lead you to people that need Jesus. God wants to take your, your eyes and instead of putting them on things that are not good for you, things that are sinful, things that draw you away from God, God wants to take them from the Word of God. He wants to take them from the Word of God and put them on people that have needs and show you so that you can have the compassion of Christ and you can take the, the very thing that they need to them and apply it and see that they get well from it, amen. They get healed from it. They get saved from it, amen. So, listen, we're, we're, to, we're, we're to take and let the Spirit of God have access to our life. So how do they do that? In prayer, you go to God and you, you give it to it. You yield yourselves to the instruments of righteousness. You have to yield it. God, God is never going to bug his way into your life. God wants you to come to him and say, Father, I don't know why I've been keeping this away from you all this time. You bought it with the blood of your own son. I mean, your spirit, your spirit lives in me. It's your house. It ain't mine. This body in my house. This is your house. Take me and do with me as you will. You know that song we sing, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me. Make me act as I will. Not by my will, but thine. While I'm waiting, yield it. Still, that's what that song's all about. It's about it's about sanctification. It's about it's about yielding ourselves and submitting ourselves to God. But that and that's the only way to to really enjoy what this verse is talking about is to let the Holy Spirit have access to your life. 
<clears throat> and, uh, you know, we've heard, we, we, we probably sang that song before when we were younger. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Y'all all sang it. Every day with Jesus, I love him more and more. Wait, seven years, a second. Jesus saves and keeps me, and he's the one I'm living for. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And it is. That's what it means, amen. The light of the righteous rejoices. Amen. It just gets sweeter and sweeter the further you go with the Lord. And and the righteous express their joy. How do you express your joy? Well, we express it by by our material giving to the Lord. That's part of the way we we express it. But that's 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 just a minuscule part of how we express it. We express it uh, through through giving the, the gifts that God gives to us and taking those gifts and using them for His glory. You know, if you have a voice and you're able to sing, you ought to sing. If you have the ability to play a musical instrument, you ought to play a musical instrument. If you have the ability to give, you ought to give. If you have the ability to work with children, you ought to work with children. If you have the ability to, 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 to be a blessing to older people, you ought to be a blessing to older people. Whatever you can do, however you can do it, you ought to use it for God. Amen. The light of the righteous rejoice at the light. That's the Spirit of God working in them. That causes us to be full of peace and joy and comfort. All the things that God gives us, we're not to sit on any of them. We're to take them and just listen. What did God say about the palace together? He was pleased with the one that said, He was displeased with the one that sat on And then, this is exactly what we're talking about here. God has given us his spirit. He wants us to, and the spirit of God produces fruit in our life, and we're to take that fruit and use it for the glory of God. Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 4, 18 says, but the path of the just, again, we're talking about the light of the righteous, okay, the just, the righteous, the same thing, but the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. In other words, until we get there and we see him face to face, but our pathway just gets brighter and brighter and it gets better and better. And we, we, we enjoy our Christian life deeper and more richly the further we go and the more we learn who God is and what he wants to do in our life. And the Spirit of God is our light. And he gives He gives us fullness of joy. And, and, and when, listen, when you get things right in your life with God, and, and, and God start, you start getting a blessing out of reading your Bible, uh, when God starts speaking to your heart and your prayers start getting answered, you talk about getting excited about being a Christian, man. You get excited about being a Christian. And, and, and that fullness of joy comes in. It's like, I don't care what's going on in the world. Everything's good with me and God. Stir you up to go out and do something good for God and forget what's on the news. Amen? Listen, a lot of the righteous rejoices, but on the other hand, it says that the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. The comfort of bad men, it withers and dies. The lamp of the wicked, it burns, but it don't burn very bright. It burns faintly. It looks as if it could go out any time. It's a flicker. Isaiah 50, 11, this is what the Word of God says. It says, Behold, all ye that kindle a fire. Ye that kindle a fire. Amen. We're not talking about the fire of God. We're talking about a man. Fire man can produce on his own. Listen, we're talking about the fire of God versus a little flicker of a flame a man produces on his own. He says, you that compass yourself about with sparks. 
burning sparks around you, and you're walking in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. God says, this shall you have of my hand. This is what I'm going to do. You shall lie down in the shadow. You think you're living in your own life that you're generating. You're not walking in the light of the Lord. You're walking, you're walking in your own Lord instead of walking in God's Lord. You're walking in your own works instead of, instead of walking in the works. I tell you what, I'm gonna make sure. I'm gonna make sure you lay down and sorrow. The light of the righteous, the light of the righteous is similar in regards to the sun. You can eclipse the sun with the moon. You you can obscure the sun with clouds, but it's still gonna keep on shining. And you and you know trouble can come into the light of a Christian. We can have all kinds of bad things happen in our lives, but you can't turn out the power of God at work in us. You can't shut out the, the joy that's in there. Troubles, uh, temporary troubles can't obscure the, the, the shine that God is doing in our life. And our, and our light, or our strength as believers, it comes from the joy of knowing that God lives in us. I mean, listen, just the fact that I me mean, knowing that, that God, God lives in me and he wants to live through me, that's my joy. Amen? And, and the light of the wicked, it's like a lamp. that They kindled themselves. They started the fire themselves. It's easily put out and subject to go out any time. Look at verse 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Foolish pride is a great instigator. I mean... Talk about start trouble. Where do wars and fightings come from? They come from this root of bitterness, foolish pride. <clears throat> no matter what 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 other faults that uh, that other lust may have in causing the fight, such as jealousy or envy or covetousness, pride's always the biggest issue. No matter what the fight is, if somebody thinks they're better than somebody else, or they know better than somebody else, but you ain't gonna tell me nothing. I know you don't tell me nothing. Hey, I said pride. You know, pride don't need any help causing trouble, is what I'm trying to say. Pride makes men salty. Whether you disagree with them or you try to outdo them, pride puts a man a chip on a man's shoulder and he he ain't backing down from anybody, especially if he thinks he's right. So pride it causes divisions between kinfolk, between neighbors. It causes fights in governments. It causes fights in nations. It causes fights in churches. It causes fights among brethren. Pride. Well, my opinion is better than your opinion. My opinion is better than what you think. My little ball of dirt wrapped in, in cheap clothes is better than your little ball of dirt wrapped in cheap clothes. That's basically what we're saying. But men, men... Men will get revenge, and they won't forgive because they're proud. Pride causes contention. If they, you know, and proud people don't know they're proud. That's the bad thing about it. And you can't tell them they're proud because if you tell them they're proud, they get mad at you. I ain't proud. <laughs> but anyway, that's the way it works. But the second part of that verse it says, "But with the well advised, advised is wisdom." With the well-advised is wisdom. 
we're talking about those that are humble and they love peace. The Bible says they're wise and well advised. And, and again, be be a be a peacemaker. The Bible says, "Blessed are the peacemakers." Look to make peace. Don't look to escalate a situation. Always look to shut things down rather than stir things up. The ones that the word the words talking about here, the well advised with wisdom. These are the ones that will seek and take advice. You know, that, that's a that's a note there. They, they, they'll even look they'll look for advice, and and, and they'll, they'll search their own hearts. They'll search their Bibles. They'll ask their preacher. They'll talk to their friends. They won't rush to action rashly. Those God calls wise. But just like in other things, they'll humble themselves and do what's necessary to de-escalate the situation, to preserve peace and calm and, and prevent arguments. That That's... That's what that's what the wise will do. He said, "With the well advised is wisdom. They want peace. Amen. They they understand that that there's no there's that nothing any good ever comes out of contention. I, I've never I've never got done fighting with somebody and went, oh, I'm glad we did that. No." The person who's got wisdom knows that ain't nothing good going to come out of it. The best way to handle things is to talk calmly. If you can't talk calmly, walk away from one another and come back when you can. But don't but don't ever, again, get mad, hollering, screaming. It never helps anybody. It only makes things worse. Verse 11, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. <clears throat> this is pretty simple. And I think I can cover it pretty simply. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. You won't ever enjoy anything that you that you won by cheating or by sinful ways uh, because it has a curse on it. That's why I advise people against going to the casino. That, that ain't the way to get money. You want money, go work for it. You want money, do something to earn it. Don't go put, don't go put money in a, in a machine hoping that you'll get the big one. That ain't the way to do it. Curse on it. You understand what I'm saying? It's sinful money. It has a curse on it. And 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 I and, and the, the the same corrupt nature in a man which leads man to the sinful ways of getting money. Uh, it also leads them to the similar sinful ways of spending. If you get it, if you, if you get it, well, there's no saying. Easy come, easy go, right? If, you know, if, if somebody steals, steals and, and finds a big wad of cash, you know, somebody breaks into somebody's house in the middle of the night and they find a, they find a big wad of cash in a, in a chest of drawers, they'll go out and invest that in the stock market. Try to get a return on their money and really, you know, maybe real estate, you know. No, what are they going to do? They're going to go buy drugs, alcohol, buy something big. Extravagant something or other, and it'll be gone in no time. Curse on money that comes the wrong way. Wealth gotten by vanity will be bestowed upon vanity, and then it'll be gone. Uh, Adam Clark, he said, Wealth that is not the result of honest industry and hard labor is seldom permanent. All fortunes acquired by speculation, lucky hits, 
and ministering to pride or luxury of others, etc., soon become dissipated. They are not gotten in the way of providence and have not God's blessing and therefore are not permanent. Amen, amen. That's the truth. Amen. There's no need in trying to, trying to those get-rich-quick schemes. They never work. It's never going to work because it's not done the right way. Uh, the second half of that verse, it says, But he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Well, the reward gotten by hard work and honesty will in turn grow more instead of growing less. It'll be your sustenance. It'll be an inheritance. It'll end up being your abundance because it's done the right way. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. See, God, here's the thing. God's not interested in you just having just enough for you and just enough to fill your mouth. And, and, and God, God, That's not how God works. God wants you to make enough so that you have enough for yourself and that you're satisfied and able to take care of you and also enough that you're able to look around and see somebody else that has a need and be able to help that, with that need rather than the man we talked about Sunday night that builds bigger barns because he, he wants to put it on and keep it for himself. No, God God will grow you to where you can help somebody else. And he that labors, working with his hands, he'll increase in what he, what he has so that now he's able to give to him that needs, and when he does, God will bless him, and he'll increase it more and more. That's the way God wants to do it. He wants to grow us in our giving. Amen. Not necessarily grow us in our things, so we got a big pile of money and a big, huge, nice car sitting in a big, huge driveway with boats and everything else, and big rock fences up around our place, all looking like a king on a hill. That ain't necessarily how God wants us to be. God interested in growing us the right way, and if you grow, I can tell you for sure, if you grow the right way and you do it according to God's economy, by the time he got you to where you got plenty of stuff, guess what? You know how to handle that. He's taught you economics his way, which is taking care of others along the way. And God will bless a man like that. God will bless a woman like that. All right, let's keep going. Verse 12. Verse 12. I mean, it's some good stuff here. It's good wisdom that we can apply. Uh, here's a good one here, one of my favorite, favorite verses in the Proverbs. Who deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. Hope's a precious and a wonderful thing. Somebody gave her a on the window. I can't remember who gave it to her. But it says when you have faith, you have hope, and when you have hope, you have everything. And and I and I, we had that hanging up there through some tough times. And I tell you, I was glad to have it there because it reminded me. And you know, without hope, somebody who has no hope, man, they get desperate. I mean, it's hopeless, and they'll do most anything to escape their hopeless. They'll get reckless trying to get out of a hopeless situation. People take their lives because they're hopeless. Hopelessness is a very bad situation. The Bible says that, that hope deferred is what we're talking about here. Not much grieves your heart like the disappointment of raised expectations, also known as getting your hopes up. You got your hopes up, and then you were disappointed. Right? Even though you might not be completely denied, you've been delayed. You've been put off for a while. You thought it was going to happen, and it's Oh, it's going to happen. 
hope deferred. You made the weight. Makes your heart sad. Man, they gotta wait. Makes you agitated. Makes you irritable. All that has to wait. But hope that's burst like a bubble heals the heart. Had hope. I thought this was going to come to pass, and it didn't. And the higher the expectation, the more it hurts. You know, it's wise not to too much, put too much faith in man. Man will let you down. Get your hopes up looking at man, you're going to get in trouble. It's good not to put too many hopes in this world because this world's going to let you down and man's going to let you down. <clears throat> and if we do, we're only setting ourselves up for disappointment. Psalm 42, 11, David said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. And my God, you know, listen, if you put your hopes in God, you will never be disappointed. But if you put your hopes in man, like I said, or this world, it disappoints you. But hope is a precious thing. Nothing is more appreciated than at long last to enjoy that which we have wished and waited for. You know, it says, when the desire cometh, it's the tree of life. You know, again, you got your hopes up, and it all fell through. And you walk around moping when you lip on the ground. But then... You got what you were hoping for. Oh, yes! I mean, you talk about excitement, exhilaration. You know, when the, when the desire finally comes, it, it kind of it puts you in a state of elation, in paradise, a garden of Eden. Oh, hallelujah! It's a tree of life. It finally happens. You know, I talk about when, when, uh, when spouses are separated for a long period of time and they can't wait to see one another. You know, it, it's like... You know, he's coming home today. She's coming home today. And finally they're home, and they're running each other's arms. And they say, oh, well, you finally are home. Or, or, I'm, how many times have I seen a video where, where a little kid's in school, and, and, and the dad's been gone to the military for years, and he sneaks in, that dressed as the mascot or something, and then, and then they rip off the deal, and they say, oh, it's daddy. And the kids, oh, it gets me teared up every time I see one of them. And really, he's talking about, you're going to make me cry. Put my limb on. But you, you know, that's a, that's, that's all they want in the world is their daddy to come home. And then they see him. It's like, oh, you know, I've been waiting all this time. That's my dad. And I mean, they just fall and squall. It's a tree of life. It's like, oh, man, this is, this is all I ever wanted. Hallelujah. Verse 13. we got a few more to go. We're going to make it. Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed. But he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. <clears throat> he that despises the word shall be destroyed. We're talking about the character of a person that's headed for ruin. He despises the word of God. Finds absolutely no value in it. Trash to him. Has no reverence for it whatsoever, and he will not be ruled by it. That person's headed for destruction. Because he despises the only means of saving his soul and lines himself up for receiving an eternal dose of divine wrath. It's like, I want it. God is pouring out on me. All you got, burn me to the crisp. That's what you're saying to God when you despise the word of God. Fly me. I'm ready for hell. That's what they're saying. What a horrible thing. But they absolutely 
you know, I don't know how long from now, but here in a, here in a couple months up in Oklahoma, literally a year, they got a big rock and roll show up there they have. It's like all the heavy metal bands that are still trying to keep going. They have a big show called Rock Oklahoma. Oklahoma, I'm not sure, but but all these bands that used to be big, they all gather up there for several days, and you got all these all these little cretins that hadn't gave up their metalhead days from the years gone by. All showing up to get out there and get stoned out of their board and drunk off off the rear ends and, and act like absolute total fools, throwing up devil horns. And, 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 and you know what? You could probably scour that crowd and find all kinds of people that say horrible things about God and his word. But again, I think about that crowd that will be gathered up there. They need Jesus worse, worse than anything, but they're probably the far, furthest ones from, from, from coming to him. But why? Because they've been caught up in that whole world of the devil and, and, his, and his ways and his music. Headed for, I think about it because I grew up around them kind of guys. I grew up around those kind of people. I knew a lot of guys who fit that description. And again, <clears throat> headed for destruction. <clears throat> prefer this world. They prefer the ways of this world. They prefer the evil of this world over God's divine truth. But they, they, they stand and say, well, I don't, I don't understand why they think the way it is, but yet they don't want to find answers in the Word of God. And the attractions of the world and the attractions of the flesh, they want that instead of God's promises and his comforts. They despise his Word. Instead, they prefer the things that stand in competition with the Word of God. Whoso despiseth his word shall be, his word shall be destroyed. But the other half says, but he that feareth the commandment, shall be rewarded. That's the character of one that's sure to be happy because he, he that fears the commandment that stands in awe of God he shows a high regard to the authority of the Lord. He has a high reverence for his word and he's afraid of displeasing God and receiving chastisement. That person not only escapes destruction, but they're going to be rewarded for their godly fear that they had on the way. There's a great reward in keeping God's commandment. I mean, listen, we get to heaven. Listen, if we, if we, if we have a reverence to the Lord and walk according to the fear of the Lord and, and walk in the Word of God, God's going to give us a crown for doing that. There's reward. But the one who, the one who made the rock of the and the devil they don't let us up with a man. Listen, we may not be like that guy out there standing out there in the bullet. I didn't 
baptized in it because they said it was ice cold. I mean, you got really want to get baptized, get baptized in an ice cold spring. But, but, but the Bible, the word of God is like a spring, a spring of comfort, a spring of satisfaction. Again, the law, the law of the wise is of life. The word of God springs up; it never loses its power. And, and knowing that you're walking with God. Knowing that you're, no, I mean, when you when you spend time with God each day in, in in prayer, and you pour out your heart to Him, and you sit down and you look in His Word and you receive from God, listen, there, there's a there's there's a satisfaction from walking with God that you get, and, and it'll allow you to receive from that fountain He's talking about. At the time you spend with God, the Spirit of God communing uh, between between yourself and the Father, there's a there's a fountain that flows through your soul when that takes place. It sends streams of living water coursing through your soul. And the closer we keep to the Word of God, the more completely we protect the peace that we have in Him. Listen, if we wander from God, listen, we get back to Him. We'll lose that peace. The Bible talks about the man looking into the Word of God, and he, like a, it's like a mirror, and then he walks away, and he, he forgets. In the Word of God, and we're close to the Word of God, and, and we're letting the Word of God feed us, and, and it's, 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 it's life-giving to our, to our spirit. It's like a spring that's feeding us, and we're protecting the peace that God has given us. Uh, but the, the second half, it talks about it says it's there to depart from the snares of death. It keeps us safe from the snares of death. The Bible tells us in, in James 4, 7, and we know this verse, but it tells us to do two things. It says, first of all, to submit yourselves unto God. Okay? Submit yourselves unto God. And the second thing it says is to resist the devil. And it tells us that if we do those two things, the devil, he's gone. He's gone. He don't want to mess with God. And if you, as God's child, go to God, you're the only father, and say, Father, you can't find heaven. You can't tell me. God, please remove it from me. I've drawn near to you, Father. Take this thing away from me. You think God's not going to hear you? His word says so. God's word has to drain you to him. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. How do you do that? Well, you've got to put yourself under his word. That's how you submit yourself unto God. Listen, if, if, a, if, a, if a wife submits herself to her husband, what does that mean? That just means she's not going to make independent decisions independent of him. That just means, hey, listen, I have enough respect for you and I have enough reverence to not go making decisions in my life without talking to you. And we get together on this first. I want to know what you think about this. I want to know what your what your idea of this is. I want to know what you think about me making this decision or not. That's that's submission. That just means listen. That just means I want to make sure on the authority that goes for me that I'm doing okay. I'm just going to check in and make sure that I'm okay. Submit yourself to God. I want to go to God because I'm under attack. I want to go to God because I I know I need Him. And while I'm there, I'm going to tell the Hey, listen, if temptation comes at me, I'm going to tell the devil that. Get the bricks. Get out of here. I'm going to resist him. I'm going to resist him. The only weapon I got. 
sword of the Spirit. What Jesus, I'm going to do the same way Jesus did when he was up in the, when he was, when he was uh, uh, being tempted after 40 days of fasting. When the devil came to him and tempted him, what did Jesus do? He didn't do nothing but what, what you and I are supposed to do. He took the Word of God and he struck back with the Word of God. And the devil struck him. He did the same way he did. And those who follow God's authority, his word, they'll keep at a distance from the snares of sin because, again, they're fellowshipping with God. Why do they want to wander off into the snares of sin? And by doing so, we escape the snares of death that wait for those that forsake the word of God, the law of the wise. Verse 15, i got to hurry. Good understanding give it favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Well, I've quoted that one a lot of times. Good understanding giveth favor. In other words, the way of saints, it's pleasant. It's good. It's agreeable. I mean, it's good to be a child of God. I just got some verses on this. Well, so Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So, Good understanding give a favor. Listen, again, if, if you know what you're, if you're lined up with it, that's the only way I get this good understanding give a favor. What good understanding are we talking about? We're talking about the Bible. We're talking about God's way. And when I when I understand God what God wants and I'm lined up with what God wants, guess what? It's hard for anybody to make it even his enemies to be at peace with. Him. Hard for them to come up with something against a good man. Proverbs 3, 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in both the sight of God and man. And again, the Word of God, it'll put you in a position. Again, it's hard for anybody to point a finger at you. Romans 14, uh, 17 and 18. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Of, of men. That's what that's what the Bible tells us. The, the way of a the way of a saint is pleasant. And people will get along with you. They have a hard time disagreeing with you if you line up with God. And I know they may they, they may disagree with you on the way of salvation and that thing. But I'm saying as far as your as far as your disposition, as far as the way Again, but why? Because you don't have God. 
You don't have God's help. You don't have God's love. You don't have God's mercy. You don't have God's peace. Nothing works out. Nothing ever seems to do right. It's always trouble, always. Hard on the sinner. It's hard on the sinner's spouse. Hard on his children. Hard on his neighbor. Hard on his friend. Hard on his family. Hard on everybody. Why? Because he don't have God's favor in his life. He can rarely find enjoyment, listen here, he can rarely find enjoyment in wholesome things. Don't want to be, don't know. I, you know what people say, well, if I want to go in that church house, you're like a fall in on me. You heard that before? You know what they're saying? I don't feel comfortable around wholesome things. I don't feel comfortable around good things. Why? Because my way's hard. My way's going to be hard. I'm going to walk a hard road, and that's just all it is to A man like that's uncomfortable in the presence of honest men. Don't feel comfortable being around honest, being honest men because they know it don't fit in there. The service, listen to me, the service of sin is perfect slavery. Amen. You listen, they're tied to it and they don't even know they're tied to it. They're bound to it, caught up in it, and they don't even realize what the, that, that, that it's their master. The road to hell is overgrown with the thorns and the thistles that are the product of the curse. And that's all they got to do is wade through those thorns and thistles till they finally get hell. Verse 16, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. It, it, in other words, it, it's wise to be cautious. A prudent man, that's a cautious man. The prudent man does everything with discretion. And that means considering it within himself and consulting with others, making sure he's doing the right thing. This is this is a godly man, a prudent man who deals with knowledge. He acts with a purpose. Whatever he does, I mean, he's already got his mind made up. He knows that's what he's doing. He acts with purpose, and he's also reserved. He's careful not to meddle with things he doesn't know anything about. I don't try to step off into something I don't know nothing about. Listen, I, I've been up making a mess. He's got, he's got enough concern and tact about him not to do things like that. He's not quick to launch out into business that he doesn't know anything about. Be foolish to do that. But yet, you know, how many people fall into get-rich-quick schemes? They don't know what they're doing. They just get into it, and then they lost everything they got. He's not quick to trust or to confide, confide in those that he barely knows. Because people take advantage of you. And everything that he does, he's dealing in knowledge, working diligently in what he's found profitable, that he may by honesty and hard work make an increase. It's wise to be cautious. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. The fool's impulsive to do anything. He fly off the handle. You never know what a fool's liable to do. He's quick to try and talk about things he don't know anything about. Get around somebody talking about something. Just want to get in the conversation. I just want to throw my two cents in. I don't know what you're talking about, but I just want to throw my two cents in. And he ends up trying to do things he ain't got no idea how to do. And proves himself to be an idiot and a fool right in front of everybody. That's who God's talking about here. Or Solomon's talking about. He's, and he, he, he began to build and he wasn't able to finish. The Bible talks about that. Jesus talked about that man. He was speaking in a parable in Luke 14, uh, verse 28 through 30, where he talks about this man and gives this word picture, he said, For which of you intended to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and cannot the course, whether he shall have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, 
say, and this man began to build and was not able to finish. Look at that fool. He's he, he, he's going to build a great big tower. Look at him. He just got a foundation. He ain't got no walls. He got nothing. Look at him. What, a, what an idiot. He didn't have the money. To, he didn't have money to build his foundation. What do you think? So, uh, again, God, God's talking about the difference between a careful man who does things right and a fool who ain't got no clue what he's doing. Verse 17, a wicked messenger falleth into mischief but a faithful ambassador is health. God here is, is giving us the, the uh, contrast but between between one who you, I mean, having somebody trying to finish something, trying to do something for you, trying to, to uh, go in your stead and be your representative to trust them at all versus somebody you can't trust. Can you imagine trying to send somebody to do something important for you, somebody you can't trust? But they're all you got. You got to send them to do something, and you got to depend on them to do it for you. But you can't trust them. That's awful, isn't it? That must be how God looks down on some of us. <laughs> I thought about that when I was getting this together. I maybe God, how God looks at me sometimes. He sent us on a mission, and most of us are failing at the mission. But anyway, but of the, the wicked messenger here. Wicked messenger falls into mischief. You can't depend on him. Look here. You can't depend on him to keep your business confidential. Wicked messenger, he get out and talk your business to everybody. Tell him everything about you. No, there ain't no secrets. A wicked messenger, you can't depend on him to negotiate for you to, to, to do a business deal. Listen, he might he might do a business deal where he gets the cut of it. You can't tell because you can't trust somebody like that. Don't ever trust somebody that you don't think you can trust. You're going to end up getting hurt in the end. Is is the, the moral of this? You you can't expect to prosper as long as you're dependent on a wicked messenger. And nothing is more hateful to God and to man than the betrayal of those who have confidence in them. So when somebody betrays you and you have confidence, man, they talk about that hurts. And again, I I I think when somebody promises God they're going to do something and then they never do it, well, I I, I just wonder how God feels about that. I know someday we're going to stand before him and we're going to hear about those things we promised we'd do, but we didn't do. I'm telling you, every idle word, the Bible says, every idle word. But, again, a faithful ambassador, the second half of that verse, is health. He's talking about the happy effects of faithfulness. An ambassador who faithfully fulfills his mission and serves the interest of those who send him as a true blessing and count on him. Listen, what a, what a, what a blessing to find out that, that, that what you sent him to do, he did. He did it like he wanted. What a blessing that is. He's a blessing both to them that sent him to whom he sent because he did what he was supposed to do. He's, he's an ambassador. The Bible tells us that we're ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador, an ambassador heals differences between people. An ambassador maintains a good relationship and good understanding. And again, we're ambassadors for Christ. And again, what are we sent to do? We're we sent the message of reconciliation. We're trying to reconcile people to Christ. We're trying to reconcile them to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to, to, to turn them to God so that they can have a relationship with him. But that that blessed that, that that ambassador, that good messenger, again, he's a blessing to himself. Why? Because he's also providing for his own interest. He's working for the Lord, and everything that goes good for the Lord goes good for him. 
And, and again, this is this is this is applicable to every preacher and teacher of the Word of God. If you're honest and you teach the Word of God and you do it from the heart, listen, it's going to bless you and the prophet, and it's going to bless your church as it grows. If you're a false prophet and you're not ripping people off and taking money from people and, and lying to them, giving them a false gospel, not only is it going to end up hurting all this, it's going to hurt you too. So, again, faithfulness. That's just really all it comes down to. We've got to be faithful to the Word of God and faithful to the message. And lastly, verse 18, Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. I'll hurry on this one. This person, this is talking about a person who's too proud to be taught. Too proud to learn. Man, you've got a hard road to hoe in life. That's the way you're going to be. This kind of per, this kind of fellow thinks school's stupid. I don't want them to go out there and learn all this because it's stupid. I've heard people talk like that. I've heard people in school talk like that. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. You know that person's gonna continue on with that attitude, and they're gonna refuse to be governed by anybody and anything, any authority, and they're gonna end up a ward and a slave to the very government that they refused to follow in the beginning. They'll end up on welfare. They'll end up begging for a handout, trying to do something, uh, anything they can to get something, dependent on others, when they thought they knew it all in the beginning. Thought their self to be important, and now everybody will despise them as foolish, stubborn, and ungovernable. He'll become a beggar and live and die in disgrace. Why? Because he's been wanting authority. Don't want nobody to tell him. Don't, don't, don't tell me anything. I don't want instruction. But the other half, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. That's a, that man there is a rare exception these days. The man that regards reproof. <laughs> reproof is a, is a sharp rebuke. That's somebody, that, that's somebody, the word would be chide, but uh, today it would be rip your face, rip your head off, I guess. Somebody chew you out. That, that's what that really means. It means getting chewed out or told off. Uh, but a man who can take being told off and learn from that's a rare fellow. Most people, they want to fight or want to pull a gun or, 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 or do something ignorant. But this is, a, again, this is a, a raw jewel of a man, a man that's so humble that he's glad to be told about his faults. That person's going to be honored. Listen, why? Because... They want to improve. They want to be better. Amen? It's not because I like a verbal beating. I want a verbal beating. I go, tell me down. Talk about it. I get a kick out of it. No. It's, it, it's when you, when, and here's what it is. In every criticism, there's a grain of truth. And, and the man is blessed as the one who gets that grain and minds that grain of truth. I usually don't brag on Dr. Bob Gray because there was a lot of things about him I did not care for. But I'll say this, and I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again because it fits. He was wise in one thing that I remember him saying, not only one, but one thing in particular. He said there was a man in their church, and there's, again, there's a church for about 4,000 people, and when he was pastor down there, and uh, there was one man in his church, and, and once a year, I don't know if it was on the same day or a year or what, but he said he would come to me with a list of complaints. He usually would have about a hundred things that he didn't like about the way I was running, the way I was running things as pastor. And he'd come in, 
and he he'd won about thirty minutes of my time. And he'd come in my office and sit down and he he'd sit there and read off his list of things he didn't like about me being pastor. And he said, you know, this was every year that his secretary finally told him, said, Dr. Dre, you don't have to take this. He said, I can tell him to go. I can tell him you ain't here. I can tell him something. I can tell him something get him out of here. He said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Don't do that. He said, it's all right. He said, he said really, about, uh, usually about 95, 99% of everything he got to say is a bunch of nonsense. He said, but one thing he'll say, the Holy Spirit will just stab me right through the heart. He said, I need to hear the criticism. I, I mean, I, I give him credit. That, that's wisdom there. To be able to sit there and take the 99 things, that's grace. To get to the one and be able to hear it and differentiate. But like I said, the wise man appreciates correction. No matter who gives it to him. And he'll fix what's wrong once he sees it. And in doing so, he gains respect as being wise and honest, and he avoids doing the things which would be a disgrace to him. Amen? All right, let's stand together. Let's stand together. I love the Word of God. I, I tell you, I'm so thankful for this wisdom. If a, if a woman or a man would just sit down and study the Proverbs, they'd never need a psychiatrist. Amen? You give give God your head, and God will calm the kinks out of it. He will. He'll calm the kinks out of your life if you give him your, give him your head and your heart. All right. Anything from anybody before we go tonight? All right. Well, let's have a blessed rest of the week, and let's be, let's be sure to uh, remember to pray for everybody, and I know we will. But uh, if God gives you an opportunity to invite somebody to church, take that opportunity. Do something with it. Listen, give somebody a ride if you need to. Uh, just... Mention mention the Lord to somebody. Use the opportunities that God gives you. Let's go to the Lord tonight in prayer. Let's ask God to bless us. Uh, Richard, just listen.